0: Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this seventh of January, two thousand nineteen. Our first official podcast of the new year, of course, our, our latest, the last podcast we did was on the uh, New Year's Eve. Uh, I'll be the last to say Happy New Year to all you to, uh, to everybody out there in podcast land in radio. In you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, social media land. We are, of course, broadcasting live uh, via YouTube on my YouTube channel. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Real Deal Podcast. I appreciate all the subscribers and listeners and views. Um, I definitely appreciate uh, all the support from that standpoint. Um, of course, this podcast will also be uh, be available via uh Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, uh, dot Apple. Look it up. Look at Look up. Real Deal Podcast, Stitcher. You can catch us anywhere. So no excuse not to hear. Not to hear us. You cannot not to find us. Not to find me. Um, so be be on the lookout for that. Uh, it basically immediately within uh, the next uh, couple hours. This brought this broadcast probably you know. YouTube normally works quick 15 20 minutes after this broadcast is aired Uh, it will um, it will be available to for your viewing and listening pleasure a busy busy program it was a lot going on this week Uh, we have uh, a ton of material to cover including a uh, special uh, dedication uh, at the end of the program so know, a bittersweet dedication, but definitely looking forward to it. But we begin with the end of the college football season, um, Clemson, Alabama. Uh, Clemson are looking to um, basically even uh, even the score with Alabama in terms of splitting the last four national championships. Uh, if Clemson were to win, they would be up, actually would be up against Alabama in terms of championships 2 1 in championship games of course Clemson uh, Alabama took out Clemson last year in the uh, playoff semifinal but these two teams right now these two programs right now are heads and shoulders I shouldn't say heads and shoulders because Georgia is Georgia's not that far away Georgia easily could have taken could have taken um, Alabama out the last two seasons but these are the two preeminent programs in college Ball right now. They are one in 1A Alabama. Nick Saban seeking seeking a seventh national championship, his sixth at uh, out that at Alabama, which would uh, tie him with, with the legendary and the iconic Bear Bryant. Dabo Sweeney seeking his second national championship. And it is just remarkable what Dabo Sweeney has done with that Clemson program. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, again, I, it was not that long ago that Florida State ran the ACC. Remember when James, Remember that guy by the name of Jameis Winston? Remember all those pros they had up and down the board, um, offensively, defensively, 14-0 in, in uh, 2013, national championships, championship, um, went to the playoff the following year and got smoked by, uh, by Oregon. At that time... Florida state ran the ACC and what Clemson Clemson has been so dominant. They actually have made you forget that Florida state once ran once ran and dominated the ACC um, Clemson right now, you know, they are one, a few teams, maybe Georgia, Georgia is the other one that has zero fear of Alabama. They can go toe to toe pro for pro. You know, number one, first-round draft pick for first-round draft pick, coaching, all the costs of all across the board. They have zero fear, zero fear, of the uh, of the crimson tide. And they, if you heard comments made by the players, each player, all the players that have been there's been no trash talk to my knowledge. Um, each team, both teams have been respectful of each other. Coaches, of course, you know you're not gonna get trash talk. from either one of these coaches that you know dab even you know dabble. You know, dabble is more is looser than Sabin, but you know, Saban's gonna keep it, you know, keep it buttoned up and, you know, straight out. you know, I call him straight arrow straight arrow Janeiro. Uh those are my necessary roughness fans uh from that movie back in the you know early nineties. But you know the, you can have you cannot find a better matchup. This mat this you know this robbery right now is arguably one of the best in sports right now, to be honest with you. Because you have two teams who are at the at the Apex at the top of their games, getting great coaching, great players. They've had success against each other. They' um, been no NCAA violations, none of that garbage, none of that nonsense. So, this is this game again. I expect a close game. I understand last year. Last year to me was a fluke, as far as an aberration, as far as you know, Alabama with a 24-6 victory over Clemson. Clemson, I thought Clemson might have overachieved last year against a powerful Alabama team. I would be shocked, completely shocked if Alabama, if if either one of these teams uh, manhandles the other. It's just just not going to happen. I think this game is going to be decided by two things. Obviously, the quarterbacks. You're looking at two guys who – in my opinion, will be the number one draft picks in the 2020 and 2021 draft in uh, Tagov, uh, Tagovailoa and Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. These guys will be, are without question, first round picks. Pros uh, will be, and I think will be, will be a, a quality pros. I like. I would, if you made me choose, I would take. I like Trevor Lawrence better. Um, I like him better out of pocket, um, in terms of uh, being able to hurt you out of. Uh, being able to make, uh, you know, make throws accurate and out of the pocket, but Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa is a, uh, you know, again completed close to seventy percent of his passes this year. Um, you know that offense, Alabama's offense has never looked better than it did this year. So obviously, you know, which quarterback plays better, you know, most a lot of times decides these games. But I think this is going to come down to the trenches, and to me, you're looking at two dominant defensive lines. Both these defensive lines will feature multiple first-round draft picks or, um, come uh, April, late April, in the NFL draft. Can which offensive line will be able to handle ha- handle the other the opposing team's defensive line? Because I don't, you know, and that's where Alabama might have an edge. See, I think Clemson's defensive line is just as good. But I think Alabama's offensive line is better than Clemson's offensive line. So again, probably a wash. Clemson has maybe the better defensive line. Alabama has a better offensive line. But to me, that's where you know, and you know, turnovers are always turnovers. Like you know, if you know if Trevor Lawrence throws four interceptions, then all bets are off. But assuming that that both quarterbacks protect the football and both quarterbacks, neither one of them puts the ball on the ground, need. you know, neither one of them throws a lot of picks. Throws picks and makes dumb and makes dumb throws. Assuming that both quarterbacks protect the protect the uh, football, this will come down to me to which defensive line will be able to impose their will against the opposing offensive line. Again, this is the to me the definition of the epitome of a pickup. It's a absolute coin toss, as far as I'm concerned. I don't think the crowd will be a factor as far as home field advances game is in California. Both fan bases travel. Um, I expect both fan bases to travel. So I don't, you know, you never have a situation where I think one fan base will take over and you know I, I just don't see that being the case. Um, I, my gut says, you know, my gut says Clemson. But again, Alabama, they're Alabama for a reason. But my gut, my gut says Clemson, to be honest with you. I got to be fair about it. But again, it should be an absolute classic game. Um, college football played at its highest level. Uh, when you see these two teams play, and again, this is not Cleveland Golden State. All right. We, we got to a point where we knew Golden State was just, you know, it was basically Golden State versus LeBron. You know, no, this is not, or Golden State versus LeBron and Kyrie. Well, you know, let's not, you know, forget about Kyrie Irving and, and you know, what he did in the NBA finals those years he, that he was with Cleveland um, past after 2015. But you knew Golden State was a better, uh, was a superior team to, to Cleveland. We just want, we just wondered, could LeBron, you know, could LeBron topple the Giant in, you know, 2016? According to him, he did it by himself in 2016. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm done with that. i ain't going to mess with that anymore. But, he was able to take him out once along with Kyrie Irving. But outside of that, they Golden State dominated, especially in the last two years, dominated that series, dominated that rivalry, if you want to call it that. Not the case with this with, with, with these two teams. This, this is an evenly matched football game. These two teams will be playing college football at the highest of levels. If you're a football fan, even if you're a casual fan, you should enjoy this game. This game will not be sloppy. I don't expect a lot of penalties. I don't. I don't expect neither one of these coaches to make an egregious mistake and cost and cost their team a game, something like that. I, I don't expect any of that. I expect everything to be done to be done at the highest of levels, and I expect a. I expect a good, I expect a great game. It's hard to say you expect a classic. That's that's high. That's high expectations. But let me be honest with you. I expect a classic. I you know. I again. I think defense. You know, as good as these offenses are, I think defense, these defenses will win out. I don't expect this game to be as high scoring as some of the previous games have been, especially in championship games, putting last year's game aside. I could see 28-24, 28-27, something to that extent. Maybe one of them cracks 30. Maybe 31-27, 31-28. I don't expect this game to get into the mid-30s, early 40s where – where the offenses, where the defenses have no chance. Both of these defensive lines are just too good. And both of them are too good. So we're going to see what happens. Um again, Nick Saban just keeps adding, you know, adding to the legacy and making stakens claim to be the greatest college football coach of all time. Dabo Sweeney, again, has built the um without question the second best program uh in college football, without question the second best college programming college football and looking for their second championship in, uh, in three years, looking for their second championship in three years. So again, looking forward to it. Um, I forward, looking forward to this game. There, again, if you're somebody who's into the NFL, into the NFL draft, there are a number, a number of prospects on this field. There will be anywhere from, you know, I would say, 15 to 20 players from this game probably drafted Maybe I mean I'm talking about over the next couple years this year. I would say anywhere from 10 to 15 10 to 15 between these two teams drafted this year in the draft. That's how loaded that the, that's how loaded these teams are Just getting started here on this latest edition of the real deal podcast. Thanks for joining me on this first Program this first podcast of the new year. Of course, uh, this weekend you had the NFL playoffs. You had a, I would say a pretty decent, a pretty good um, divisional weekend. None of the results surprised me. I thought that, um, I thought you know the only result that I was surprised by is Indianapolis winning as easily as they easily as they did. I thought I thought all the teams who won I thought would win. To be honest with you, I thought all I thought all those teams would win. I thought the road teams were better than the home teams. with just like, yeah, where, to me, the Chargers. I thought the Chargers. Um, I thought the Chargers and the Colts were clearly better than uh, Baltimore and Houston. Uh, than Baltimore and Houston, Philly, Chicago. Again, a lot of people were on Chicago. There were people that thought that Philly was going to destroy Chicago. Uh, I mean, that Chicago was going to was going to man on Philly. I didn't see that at all. Like I just did. I, I didn't see it. Um, the one theme that you there were a couple themes that you got out of the I got out of four games. Three of the games, you had veteran quarterbacks. Nick Falls, Andrew Luck, and Phillip Rivers advancing versus, you know, God guy, versus guys making their very first playoff start, Deshaun Watson. Mitch, uh, Mitchell Trubisky and of course um you had uh leaving out Lamar Jackson. The most intriguing again, the Philly game, we we'll, we'll, we'll get to the Philly game, but listen, I watched Lamar Jackson for years, like when he first got to Louisville. Um Lamar Jackson is at is maybe one of the greatest athletes to play the quarterback position. Like, I would put his athleticism up there with any quarterback that's ever played. Michael Vick, um, Randall Cunningham. on sheer pure athleticism. Like, he's he's superior to Robert Griffin. Marcus Mario, you see, I mean, he blows, he blows those two guys away. I don't care how much athleticism you have. I don't care. Speed. I don't care. If, I understand. The, I understand the whole idea that defensive lines are more athletic than offensive lines. I, I get it. It doesn't matter. The game is the game, and what I mean by that, if you cannot make plays out of the pocket throwing the football, athleticism will buy you maybe one two years before you get injured, or before you you know lose multiple playoff games. Because you know San Diego again, give we knock coaches all the time for for uh, play um, play calls, clock management, things of that nature. Give Anthony Lynn all the credit in the world for that adjustment going to uh, using three safeties as as linebackers. It was ingenious, and Baltimore had no answer for it. None. Now, in classic. Charger um, fashion the game should not have been that hard should not have been that close like the Chargers dominated that game now they had they had the blown coverage to allow Crabtree the first of his two touchdowns Uh, the second one was a methodical drive I don't I'm not knocking them for that one the first touchdown shouldn't have happened like they should have won that game 23 to 10 and should not have had to go through, you know, onside kicks and all this other. And Baltimore should not have had the ball with a chance to win, basically. Now, I didn't think Baltimore – I didn't think there was any way Baltimore was going down the field and winning that game, even with all the momentum that they had, even with Lamar Jackson um, having a, a, a big fourth quarter with 156 yards in passing the fourth quarter. But, um, you know – that's the playoffs. Home team. We see big leads. We have seen a lot of big leads over the last few couple of years disappear. We've seen it, you know, over the course of history. We seen, you know, San Francisco Giants come up like, you know, they were down. The Giants were up, what thirty four three something like that. San Francisco came back. So we've seen some wild comebacks in playoff history. It's not. It's not. It's not nothing new. But that had no. That didn't have the makings of it at all. Um, San Diego dominated that game from the line of scrimmage with their defense. Their offense did enough, uh, had enough first downs. I thought they played smart outside the turn, outside of the fumble uh, by the uh, I think Virgil Green. Outside that, I thought the play calling was fine. I thought they played to their defense, played to their kicker, who basically, basically out outplayed uh, you know Justin Tucker, who's all world, three time first team all pro pro player. Um, and I thought the I thought the game plan was phenomenal. Uh, again, Anthony Lynch deserves all the credit in the world. And I've again my tune on the Chargers has I, I, my tune on the Chargers has not changed. I believe it's, I believe that Los Angeles Chargers are going to the Super Bowl, and I believe that Los Angeles Chargers are going to win the Super Bowl. I Think they're the most complete team in football from top to bottom. You know, again, predictions can go any which direction, but I have not. That game, you know. That game didn't change my tune at all because the thing about here's the thing about the Chargers. they can play any style, they can win a game where it's low scoring, they can win a shootout, they can run the football. Phillip Rivers can throw for 350 yards. They have defensive they have athleticism on on defense that can allow them to contain a running quarterback. And again, they're gonna go to Foxborough. they are gonna hear all this hype about the ghost of Tom Brady and. And uh, New England, they match up perfectly against New England. Perfectly. Okay? Tom Brady cannot move in a pocket. Those edge rushes, Ingram and Bosa. And by the way, Melvin Ingram was, the you know, he he was the best. Melvin Ingram was the best player on the field. And it wasn't even close. Well, Melvin Ingram and the other, I can't pronounce his name, the other linebacker. That the hybrid linebacker from uh, Baltimore was all over the place as well. He was tremendous, but um, man, I thought Hardball made a mistake. I thought Hardball should have went to Flacco um, in the beginning of the third quarter. I really I thought that that was a perfect time to go to Flacco. Um, again, he's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You needed a spark. I know Lamar Jackson's the future. You know he's twenty what twenty one years old. Twenty years old, 20, 20, 21 years old. He'll that—that's not going to damage his, his psyche moving forward. It was time to go. It, that was a perfect time just to give Sandy just to give the Chargers another look, a different look. Maybe you you catch light in the bottle, but I'm not leaving a Super Bowl winning quarterback who has had all kinds of postseason success on the bench healthy. In that when I when I can when I'm struggling to cross midfield. So I thought that was a mistake by Harbaugh. Um, I give Jackson some credit, too. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, completely fall apart. He was under siege. He didn't have a chance in that game. So, you know, you could talk about the fumbles. You could talk about the interception that he had. He had, he had no chance in that game. Forget about just lack of experience, just lack of just having a, the weapons to combat what he was facing with, with the Chargers defense. He's not there yet. He's a rookie. He's a rookie. He's not supposed to be there, but he fought. He battled. Didn't pout. Didn't feel sorry for himself. Um, had a chance to again win the game with a drive uh, to uh, at twenty three seventeen. So I give him credit. For, I give him credit from that standpoint. He did not go. He did not go into the tank. I've seen a number of these quarterbacks over the years who get knocked around, throw a pick get sacked and they are done. Like they're done, they're, 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 they're mentally shot. He he impressed me from that standpoint, but he has a long way to go with his throwing. Like he doesn't, forget about polishing his mechanics. He has to establish mechanics. He doesn't have mechanics right now throwing the football. He just, he doesn't. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. Listen, Baltimore could be in for a lot of changes. Um, coach, we know Flacco's gone. Suggs, who knows, they that could be a different-looking franchise come next year. Uh, Newsom is gone. All-time great uh, personnel that uh, general manager did. Just, you know, again, one of, the great, one of the great general managers in NFL history as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you draft Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden in the same draft, let you know, and again, rarely did he miss on draft picks. But uh, time will tell on Lamar Jackson. But, again, I told you, uh, if you've listened to this podcast for a significant period of time, I've been telling you about Lamar Jackson for years when he's faced a real NFL pro-style uh, defense in college, whereas LSU, whether it was Clemson, you know, Houston, because they have pros on their team, he got, he, he got exposed and he accumulated a lot of stats against teams that just physically couldn't stand up to his athleticism. As far as the Philly-Chicago game, give uh, Philly all the credit in the world. They are a mentally tough team. They are a championship team that knows how to win. Um, Foles was not great yesterday. He had the two picks, but you know what? Great quarterbacks, great clutch money quarterbacks, have two jobs. Quarterbacks have two jobs. That's one, win the game. Two, get your team in the end zone. He had a big fourth quarter. He was flawless in the fourth quarter for the most part. Made every play that he had to make. Dust off, you know, brushed off the two interceptions, um, and just you know, did what he had to do. Uh, the Philly defense, you know, I, you know, Philly defense did what it had to do, holding Chicago to field goals. Um, that is a bit that that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow that's going to be a, a tough pill to swallow for the offseason if just if you're Chicago Bears because I thought Trubisky I thought if Chicago lost it would be because Trubisky was you know was was terrible Trubisky in the fourth quarter of the second half played I thought played well I mean 26 what he goes through 26 23 43 for the game 301 touchdown, no turnovers. I thought Trubisky played well for his first playoff start, and I know a lot of people have been worried about about him, and he could be, you know, one read quarterback. And if he if you took away the scrambling, he, you know, now he can he throws a, you know, he's he's miles ahead of Lamar Jackson as far as throwing the football. He made some great throws yesterday, some throws in tight spaces some throws down the sideline to uh, Allen Robinson, so who had a big game, especially a big uh, second, fourth quarter, second half. But uh, that, you know, <laughs> when you leave it up to a kicker, and I'm going to tell you right now, and I was looking at this today, Chicago, as far as the kicker situation goes, they have nobody to blame but themselves. And I'm going to tell you why. You have a guy in Cody Parkey who, over the course of the season, missed 10 kicks. He missed seven field goals and three extra points. Seventy-six hit seventy-six percent of his kicks. Bill Parcells once said, "If your kicker is below eighty percent, then you need to be, you you need to find another kicker." That was his cutoff. Eighty percent was his cutoff. Robbie Gold, who maybe has a, I, I want to say, if not for if not for Adam Vinatieri, maybe we have an outside chance of 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 being in the Hall of Fame. But Vinatieri is going to be the only kicker that gets in the Hall of Fame. Maybe, I'll say, maybe uh, Justin Tucker be next. But Robbie Gold is a borderline Hall of Famer. You know how many kicks Robbie Gold has missed since Chicago cut him a couple years back? Three. You know what his percentage has been in those years? 95 and 97, including six for six from 50 yards or more. And don't tell me you couldn't afford to pay him. Uh, he's a kicker. He was one of the most consistent kickers in all of football. In that in that weather, with those wins year in and year out, always made big kicks. Always. So they have no one to blame but themselves from that standpoint. And to me, all right, let's put Robbie Gould aside for a second. I'm not keeping a guy that doesn't have a pedigree who misses 10 kicks. Like I remember a couple of years ago, Marshall uh, Mason Crosby had an awful year for Green Bay. Had a year where he made maybe, I think, 60, it was below 70% of his kicks, which is awful, which, is, which will get you cut. And on the unemployment line in the NFL, Green Bay stuck with him. He was a long time kicker. And, you know, he hasn't, you know, he's been solid since. He had earned that pedigree over years and years of being consistent. Cody Parkey uh Parkey did not had not had has uh had not earned that pedigree to where you can miss ten kicks and still have a job. So they have no one to blame but themselves. No one from that standpoint. They wasted a golden opportunity to possibly get to a Super Bowl with that defense. Um and with that run with that defense, the running game with Trubisky playing, playing relatively well. So that, you know, I'm not gonna sit up here and rank the Chicago sports losses, but that is, that's a, that's a tough one. And that is the second time that the Eagles have come up there. Um, You remember um, the first really the first signature win that the Eagles had in the playoffs under Andy Reid on the road, Back in two thousand one, was at Chicago. That was a thirteen and three Chicago team. Uh, you had guys like this. I think Lance Briggs was on that team as well. Or this was this was Brian Erlacher in his prime. Um, they can they came up there and and had McNabb and company. and came up there and had their way and ended, ended up going to the NFC Championship and losing. Of course, lost to the uh, then St. Louis Rams. So uh, they last couple times they've. Um, you know, to take out Chicago on the road. And Philadelphia, of course, will advance to play. Uh, New Orleans, you'll have the Rams hosting uh, Dallas in what should be a great matchup of divisional games. And again, these teams that are coming in um, off wild card games, again, will have no fear of the big boys. They, I've said this the last couple months, last month, um, New England, Kansas City, New Orleans; those teams are not are not are, are not dominant teams, not by any stretch of the imagination. If you're Dallas, if you're Philadelphia, if you're San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers, you feel like you can go into Indianapolis the way they're playing right now. And you feel like you can go into those stadiums and win. Um, a couple of things in regards to uh, talking about Hardball and his possible future. Um, there have been some reports that Miami. And uh, Denver will uh, will possibly make a run at trading for, for John Harbaugh. So that's been um, – there have been talks about that. There have been some reports about that. You know, trading for a coach is – man, I mean, uh, listen. Uh, and again, John Harbaugh is a tremendous coach. He's a, he's a legit top coach in this league without question. Am I giving up a first-round pick for John Harbaugh? Hmm. All right. thinking about those mm, probably not uh, like I'm prob probably not giving up a first round pick for those guys but they, those teams are so desperate for coaching that they probably they probably would do it I myself I probably you know draft picks are too valuable again I understand listen I I respect John Harbaugh and I think Baltimore will be out of their minds to uh to not uh resign uh, Harbaugh and keep him through this, you know, this transition. I think he's still young. He's still relatively young. He, um, you know he knows what he's doing. That, you know, the style of play that they adapted over the course of the last month, month, and uh, month or so, they had no choice. Flacco was shot. Is shot. We had an athletic quarterback who couldn't throw. A great defense. They had no choice but to run the football and play off their defense and special you have a great, you have a great field goal kicker, a great punter. So they, you know, again, that and I, and I told you that style does not win championships. It'll get you to the playoffs. Maybe you can win a game, but that that three yards of the cloud of dust in today's NFL is just not, it's not going to win. It's, it's not going to take you far. And if you notice over the course of this weekend, what teams we got? What teams were eliminated? Chicago defense out. Baltimore great defense out. Seattle. um Great running game, solid defense. Out, gotta be able to put some points on the board. Gotta be able to put some points on the board. So, there you go. With um, again, I'm not gonna knock on. I'm not knocking Deshaun Watson. He ran to a, a buzzsaw. saw. Indianapolis can go to the Super Bowl. That's how good. That's how well they're playing right now. Andrew Luck is playing the best football in his career. No, they they can go to. They can go to. Super Bowl, they can get out of the. They can get out of the uh, uh, AFC. I don't. I wouldn't pick them, but they can get out of the AFC. I would not be surprised. Don't be surprised if you're looking at a Charger, uh, coach Super Bowl. Excuse me, uh, AFC Championship. Also, Antonio Brown could be out. Um, again, reports saying that, that that Pittsburgh will will indeed uh, try to trade him. Which will be which will cost him 21 million dollars in in cap space lost which you know you got you gotta cut your losses I don't see how you can bring this guy back uh after what he did after basically quitting on this team at, at the end at the last game of the season so you know sometimes you gotta cut your losses I have to, I, I don't see how I could he could be accepted back in that locker room after quitting I basically walking out on his team and you know chemistry issues and you know I you know, it's it's a it's a bad it's a tough situation for Pittsburgh. But again, it's one it's one that they fed with the constant enabling um, from organization from Mike Tomlin on to the top of the organization. They just constantly enabled uh, Brown based on his talent, and it didn't pay off because Brown has not having Brown has been statistically the most productive receiver over the last five six years, and it hasn't even produced a Super Bowl appearance. So. Um, if they do decide to move, which I expect that they will, um, I I don't think Pittsburgh. If you're a Pittsburgh fan, I don't think you have anything to um, to get nervous about. They develop they develop wide receivers as well as any franchise in football, uh, so I think they'll be fine from that standpoint. But they again they have to move on this. They're gonna they, he can he cannot come back to that team in 2019. It just can't it just can't happen. Uh, for the you know sanctity of that locker room, for the for that for that culture, you want to establish any type of winning culture as far as moving forward, and you want to get them finally get over because um, they're gonna have one crack. They're gonna have one crack at it before they have to go before they have to probably break it up. Um, so you go all in next year, uh, even despite the salary cap hit that you're gonna take. Did they draft well? Which you know. They draft, they get a couple, nail a couple draft picks, and um, you know, and, and, and see what you can do in, in the AFC again. You know, the AFC again. New England's on a decline. Um, who knows how long Phillip Rivers is going to be playing at a high level? I mean, he could fall off the cliff anytime. These I mean, quarterbacks, when it goes, it goes. So this, you know, the Chargers are going to be pressed next week to make a championship run because it could be the, it could be the, their only major shot in the next few years with Philip Rivers being, you know, thirty-seven thirty-seven, thirty-eight years old. A couple things in the NBA before we get to uh the um the R. Kelly, uh before we get to R. Kelly. Um let's calm down on James Harden. I mean, let's let's really take a deep breath on what James Harden is doing. James Harden is probably the most unguardable offensive player in the league right now. I'm not going to put him in with this Kobe Jordan. Stop. Stop. Even – please. Just not – you'll never hear that come out of my mouth. You want to say he's the best offensive player in basketball right now? I, you know – I still, I still even, wouldn't even give him that. I still, i much, i i much rather have from an offensive standpoint Steph Curry or 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 Kevin Durant. I think they because I think they're more efficient. They take better shots, so I, I wouldn't even give him that. I honestly, I still think Kevin is still the most unstoppable offensive player. He just doesn't have to put up those type of numbers, game in and game out. But let's not pretend like we haven't seen like Kobe didn't have like 13 straight games of. Uh, 40 forty forty or more points. Like Kobe didn't have a streak where he scored fifty points in four straight games. Like that's we've seen this we've seen this thing before we have seen this type of thing before. It's not a percent like we're watching something, you know, historic. So, you know, he's able in today's game, as much as he much as he handles the ball, he's able to accumulate some stats as far as, you know, his assist numbers and, and things of that nature. But uh again, until I see it in the postseason, he can he can average I don't care if he averages a 30-point triple-double in the, in the regular season. I, I could care less. He is Mr. Regular Season until I see otherwise. I watched a guy lose lose a 6 game in his own gym with no Kawhi Leonard and the team get embarrassed. And he was, I can't even say MIA. He, I you know, he vanished. He vanished. Like somebody just like poof in a cloud of smoke, that game will never – I will never get that game out of my mind, as long as I'm watching basketball, never. So James Harden needs to get to the postseason. I'm not saying win a championship because that's not going to happen, but he needs to have a dominant postseason run. You know, we've seen players from losing teams have great postseason runs. and Like, damn, like, they didn't win, but, he, you know, he did his thing. It wasn't because of him. So, I'll say that's what I'll say about that. Um, Tom Thibodeau out in Minnesota. You know there was a lot of talk about wanting to, you know, ticket sales and wanting to really show uh, show some, you know, one Fred Hoiberg. I when did Fred Hoiberg become this great coaching savant? Did I what, what did I miss? Like again, I know you had no chance in, in Chicago. That's that's a horribly ran franchise, but Fred Hoiberg, that's that's a guy. and then I mean, you know, they like him so much that they might they possibly consider him for for general manager, if not coach, either JGM or coach really GM. Did you just learn this through through Tom Thibodeau how that works out? A coach becoming a general manager? Now, I'm not even I wouldn't even want Hoiberg as my general manager. If even if you told me, hey, we're gonna get another, we're gonna get a coach, we're gonna let you. Rundle, um uh be a general manager without coaching. I, what? No. No. It, it, I, that's why Minnesota is Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota's the same franchise that not passed on Steph Curry and took two point guards instead of Steph Curry with top with top five top ten picks. So that, you know, they are who they are. Um Thing that you don't listen. I don't understand what they would know. You know, that's your franchise has to be beyond pathetic to give a guy who who hadn't won a championship as a head coach that kind of power, like Detroit did to Stan Van Gundy. How's that working out? And now you have, uh, and, and Minnesota does it. Did it to Tom Thibodeau, and they did it because, again, that's how desperate they are to have any, you know, any coach that that that's that even has a inch of respect on their name. So um, Thibodeau will land on his feet somewhere. I, I don't think it'll be won't be this year, won't be ne- maybe next year, got, maybe next year, but uh, he'll land on his feet somewhere because uh, the NBA NBA recycles guys like you know, like nobody's business, especially if you are, you know, or I I know, Thibodeau is not popular right now. What people will say is people will say, well, listen, he, he's just a coach, he's not a general manager. So if we let him just coach. We'll be fine. I don't buy into that. But um, at this point, like to me, I, I would let him sit a couple of years before I offered him a job. He had, to, I don't know, I ain't going to say become an assistant, but, um, I would not, you know, if there's a coaching job open, if there are coaching jobs opening at the end of the season, Tom David wouldn't be on my list. As far as the um the R. Kelly, you know, you want to say document, you know, documentary, docudrama. I I shouldn't, it wasn't a miniseries. Listen, nothing on it surprised me. Um, the thing I took away from it, a couple of things. Number one, How dumb was Sparkle to introduce her 14-year-old niece to R. Kelly? Sparkle knew R. Kelly since going back to 1989, right? The Aaliyah stuff popped off in 94, marriage, then divorce, annulment. You're telling me you had no whiff of R. Kelly, of of those rumors and speculation with Aaliyah, you know, in, what, you know, 2002, 2001. it's hard to just either, either man, either you're stone stupid or you was just trying to get paid. I don't know which one it is. I would lean towards being stone stupid. Um, her uh, niece was a aspiring uh, rapper and maybe she just, you know, maybe she just didn't want to believe that any anything that uh all the reports that were coming out all that were coming out about R. Kelly during that time period. Again, I, as a 15, 16-year-old, I knew about, you know, this is with no Instagram, no Twitter, no social media of any kind. I knew, you know, I kept up with the, the hip-hop culture. I knew about R. Kelly and Aaliyah. Like, it wasn't that, that was big news. So if I know as a hip, as a fan of hip-hop, you're telling me you, being around him basically for the better part of the better part of over the, for the better part of the decade, didn't know or wasn't, you know, there was no thought that maybe, you know, this is not a good idea. I just want, I would love for somebody to sit Sparkle down. I would love Sparkle to go in the breakfast club and be, and, and be like, have to explain itself from that standpoint. I would love for it to happen because I, I, just, I want to know what was, what was your thought process. When you, made that int- when you made that introduction. The other thing I took from it was the, you know, we can talk about parenting and there's no parent can watch their kids 24 seven. This is not realistic. Um, but the idol worship of celebrity. And I think that these girls were, you know, they were in love with R. Kelly the performer r kelly the sex symbol r kelly the, the then you know king r and b you know grammy or winner and things of that nature If they really gotten to know r kelly the person they were i think they would have ran for cover i i think I, I don't think there's just i don't think you can i don't care how how you know i don't care how well you manipulate I don't care how many sight games you can play and, you know, putting off, you know, telling your personal business and if you that you were molested and things and using, you know, that that psychological warfare. I don't care. It, it doesn't matter. Once you get to know somebody for who they are, they will they will reveal themselves. And, you know, for the most part, you know, there's a reason why he preyed on teenage girls is that they you know he knew that they would be enamored with you know with with r kelly the brand you know the the icon the mission you know the you know the, the selling millions of records they they knew that they could they he knew that they wouldn't be able to see past that and we as a culture as a society have this love affair with, with celebrities and we put them on this pedestal and you know, I think you, know, you, have, you have a lot of people here, not a lot of people, you have a few people on social media, again, enabling R. Kelly from a standpoint of, you know, the girls are fast, uh, where were their parents, things of that nature, and you know, they're trying to attack, you know, there are, there are people out there, believe it or not, who actually believe that R. Kelly did not do this, believe it or not, which is to me, is insane, but you know that's just that is the society that we live in. We think that you put these celebrities on this pedestal that they're not. They're they are people just like us. some of them, some of them not? Some of them have extraordinary talent. Some of them just do things to draw attention, and we turn them into celebrities. So again, nothing surprised me about that. About the uh, about the episodes. Again, I I just don't understand Sparkle. and What? Was going through her mind I, I, that I could live a hundred years and not and not get, um, you know, and not understand what she was thinking, or what was her thought process, or what how she would, what did she expect to happen, like what did she expect to happen. Nine minutes after the eight o'clock hour on this last edition of the New York Girl Podcast. Happy to be with you here on a brisk uh Monday night as um be ready for a national championship game, Clemson, Alabama. Um, looking forward to it, looking forward to it. Uh, once it. I have it on record right now, so don't Nobody text me to score if the game is started. It's supposed to start at eight o'clock, but uh I don't you know, these things they don't start on time because it's college football, they definitely don't start on time. But I'm um, looking forward to that. Um we're gonna wrap up the program with a you know, a set on a I'm not gonna say a completely sad note, but a um a tribute to a man who affected in a positive sense, more lives than he probably ever knew, ever uh, ever knew. And as were of course, Ivan Colin who passed away uh, yesterday, I yesterday I believe at the age of fifty three. Anybody around the area, the Marsville, Bristol, Yardley area, knew who Ivan Colin was in particular Marsville. He was Marsville. He was, you know, I say, called James Hart, Mister Triple Double, uh, Mister regular season, well, Ivan him was Mr. Marsville. He wore it with, with a, a badge of honor. He served, um, was a head basketball coach, both JV and varsity at one point. He, uh, of course, made his bones with the softball, almost 200 wins, some district titles, some BAL titles. And he did everything, school board, worked in high school, middle school, uh, you name it, he did it, and um, he will be missed. Now, I hadn't seen Colin in about well over a decade, easily. Um, luckily, through Facebook, one of the few positive things about Facebook, you're able to contact people who you're able to contact contact people who you you know from a distance, from afar, who you don't see, uh, don't have the opportunity to see. Um, so I kept in contact with him from that standpoint from time to time, um, just random, you know, was, was good. Um, what about the Lions, he's a big Lion fan, a big uh, Michigan Wolverine fan. Now, I can sit up here and, you know, wax poetically about Ivan Gold, like easily for the two or three hours. But, you know, our basketball relationship when I was in high school was Rocky, <laughs> rot Rock, to say the least. I came back from um, Indiana in summer of 94. July of 94, my uncle had passed away, came back for the funeral and never went back to Indiana. Um, so was going to my sophomore year in 94. They were coming off a like final four season, uh, that 93, 94 season and returning basically four starters um, that they knew we're gonna be starters, and uh, Ryan Ward was the fifth starter in terms of uh, the high school varsity basketball team. So coming back, didn't expect to play at all varsity. I I just didn't have to, I was you know, I was realistic from that standpoint. You know, sophomore, two years left. I'll be you know, sit a year, play some JV, um, and go from there. And I you know, my JV year played well. Coach, shout out to Coach Ewing. Uh, you know, hopefully, he's doing well somewhere out there. He was, he was our JV coach, but um, but junior year was my year. I put everything into, my, into junior year. I went played you know, sweating bullets on the playground without, you know, from dust to dawn playing basketball. And I put everything into junior into my junior year. Uh, Ninety-five, ninety-six. We lost some starters. We lost three starters from that from the. Uh, team, uh, Clarence, Sean Burnett, uh, and uh, Aswad Brown, who of course hit that game winning shot against Holy Ghost Prep in 94. None of us will ever forget that. Um, But I expected to play my junior years. That's the bottom bottom line. Um, And it didn't happen. It didn't happen because I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready mentally. I wasn't uh, thinking. I wasn't. You know, I just wanted to play. Like I wasn't I wasn't trying I didn't I just want to play. You know, I, you know, I wasn't trying to run no plays. I wasn't um I was, you know I was putting the work in the summertime, but when you know, when the season came around, you know, practice came around, and I got called out by Chambers called me out on this. Chambers said, "I'll never forget it, the late and the late Brian Chambers said, look you want to be, you want to be varsity, but you don't want to do what it takes. You don't want to do the little things to be to be a varsity player.' Period. He called me out, and I was and I was playing JV, and they ended up playing JV my junior. Which to me, I looked at that as just somebody spitting in my face. I was I was heated to say the least, but I wasn't ready mentally. I wasn't there. My skill wise, I could shoot the ball, I could finish. I enjoy playing defense and you know Colin you know I'm not going to say on a, I'm not going to say it was a level of what Tony Parker what you saw Tony Parker with Greg Popovich as far as him constantly in Tony Parker's ass and just treating you know just basically I he I'm not going to say belittling cuz but just basically always on Tony Parker game in play in play out practicing practice out but Colin colon was hard Colin was difficult on me. He was hard on me. He he didn't take any he took no shit from me. He would call me out. He would embarrass me in practices. Uh, right and rightfully so. It wasn't nothing it wasn't malignant. It wasn't um, it wasn't nothing that was unnecessary. It was like look, you know, you could be you could play for us. Like you could be playing varsity, you could be getting playing time, but you, you're trying to do it your way instead of the right way and junior year was a wasted year it was for me it was I don't know how many times I want to quit I 3 or 4 times I wanted to quit so our basketball relationship was not was that year was was again was on ice I mean it was it was it was on ice we did not get along from a basketball standpoint now off the court we're fine you know see him in the hallways What's up, coach? Good, talk sports, but on the court, in the locker room, on the court, it was not good that year. And it was my fault. I, was, again, was not ready mentally. I wasn't there. Um, senior year, we were awful as a team, and I know that was hard on him coming off, you know, final four year, two years earlier lose and you know he expected more he expected you know more he was in his what third year of coaching i know that was difficult for him to deal with but uh that's when i think things changed from uh, in terms of our relationship i think he i started seeing a, a side in where it was just more it wasn't just about basketball it was like okay you know what you're gonna do what you gonna do for college are you how you, you know how classes are how you you know how your classes coming? And I wanna say there were two instances that really flipped our relationship um, as I, before I left for college. And I would say a uh, senior class trip, was, which took place when the season was long over and that, the senior class trip, our senior class trip was like in, I wanna say April or late March. It, I believe it was late March because the NCAA tournament was still going on. So mid to late March, you know, got to know him outside a bat of a basketball environment, which is big. You know, you, when you're coaching, you're in the moment, you're pushing players to be better, to be the best of themselves, to be, you know, get the most out of their talent. And it always doesn't work out. It always doesn't mix personalities, things like that happen. But uh, we, you know, I thought we, we had some, it was some fun times on that senior trip. you know, got to see him joke around his personality came out. Um, and got to see him from another uh, another side of him. And I say the thing that capped it off was he um, he voted me. He did two things. And this 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 was a game changer. He voted me on the uh, R B A L um, honorable mention, and I made R B A L even though we were two and whatever. We only won two games in a year. Um, and I was just putting stats on a bet ba- on you know a bad team. I was a st- I was a stat guy. Like I would be if I were a podcaster, I would be Chris killing myself. Like this dude is just putting numbers on a team that's not winning. I was that dude my senior year, especially the last ten games or so. But despite that, despite the record, his record, the record being what it was, he voted me. He put the vote in for me to be on All BAL honorable uh, mention. And I, I played in the William Penn Classic All Star Game for seniors, which I'm sure he had a he had a party as well. Uh, and he drove me to the practices, drove me to the practices. I don't know if anybody knew this. He drove me to pra- our practices. Our uh, the practices were at uh, Truman High School, and that's when I was like, okay, like this dude is you know. The okay guy I guess <laughs> I that that I was shocked by I was you know because again I'm seeing I'm a senior I'm ready to get out I'm ready to get out of Mars I'm ready to go to college I'm ready to move forward in the next step of my life so basketball I was done with basketball at that at soon that last senior night February that last game uh, I, I think we lost I, I don't, you know it, it's a blur I was just done with basketball but um we really made a connection during those practices, or not during the practices, but the rides to the practices. Like, like, what are you, you know, what are you trying to do? You know, after college, what are you trying to do? Um, go out here, don't get, don't get caught up in, uh, in, 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 don't be afraid of these dudes because these are. All, I was playing against guys that were big names around the area in terms of all-star he was like look just play your game play your game everything take care of yourself and after that after graduation i might have saw him i graduated in 97 came home in '02, was home to like 04 i might have saw him maybe twice in the last 22 years so you know, I think that the lesson to the lesson to be learned here is um, forget about basketball. When you have somebody who impacts your life that is outside of being a family member or a close friend, and they 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 impact your life into your twenties, into your thirties, and now for me, um, the beginning of my forties, that is someone who is priceless I mean you can't put a value on that or you can't put a value on that there's no there's money material there's nothing that, that is more valuable than someone impacting your life for the good you can look back and say you know no excuses just results you can look back in and say you know you know, what would, you know, what would Coach Colin think of, you know, what, not what would Coach Colin do, but you can look back and say this was a dude or a man who actually did have my best interests, whether I realize it or not, you know, pushing me to be, to, to be my very best, pushing me to um, not, not, not having me settle and calling me out when, you know, when I did settle. On, on being average or even mediocre So again you you have someone and you know, those people that come across your life are few and far between they really are somebody that can impact your life well after you've had any contact with them well after you know you've you haven't if you haven't seen them in 10 15 20 years. And he had, you know, he, he touched my life from that standpoint. And I, I had the feeling, I know, for, just for a fact, I was reading a lot of the stuff on Facebook, uh, the dedications and the uh, people paying their respects. And he touched a lot of lives over the course of his time here. And, you know, 53 is far too uh, far too young to, to go. I mean, 53 is young, but... Uh, I, I, I I say this and I say this wholeheartedly believing this, that it's not how long you're here, it's what you do with the time that you're here. With that, that's going to end this latest edition of The Real Deal Podcast. Enjoy the game. Thanks for listening. No excuses, just results. I'm out.